How you doing? <laughs> Why are you asking me with that serious okay. tone? How are you doing? I don't know. Why, do you have a deep discussion you have to have with me right now? <laughs> you have, is there something that's been on your mind for quite some time that you finally have to let me know? Is it Skip Town All-Star? <laughs> is that where this conversation's headed? It could be, if you don't change your attitude. <laughs> do I inherit the rights or do you? Oh, that would be me. But I will call you for tech advice. <laughs> oh, you will? Uh-huh. Nice. Nice. You're going to keep me on the payroll? Yeah. It's not free. Like if, if 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 this doesn't work out, you better prepare to write some checks. How expensive are you? I'm pretty expensive, as it turns out. <laughs> I'm really expensive. I got kids. I got adult children in college. I got big plans. Uh, oh, oh, you do. I do. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, do you ever do a favor system? I do not do a favor system with people I don't like. No, I do not. <laughs> <coughs> oh my god are you vaping with our daughter is that what's going on <laughs> you two are vaping in the back uh -huh. patio exactly we hit the vape all the kids are vape now i i don't know if you know this if you're listening every kid vapes like they walk around and it's like this hidden thing if you see a kid and he's his hand is covered and he's going up to his mouth and he looks around he's vaping <laughs> it is like the craziest oh. thing just just do it. And then the girls, guys do it in secret, it seems, but girls are just out in the open vaping, puffing, puffing, puffing. <laughs> puffing, puffing, puffing. <laughs> they are. All right. We're going to get on with our show. Enough about the vaping. Um, right now, we are still Skip Town All-Stars. Okay. Gear up. Kingsville, Texas, coming at you. Check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys. Hey, listeners. Ever wonder what it would be like to blow up your comfort zone at the tender age of 50? Well, we did just that. When our last kid went off to college, we hit the road in search of a new hometown. Now we bounce from city to city and bring you along for the ride. This is the Skip Town All-Stars podcast. Welcome back. Are you going to look? Yeah, I'm when looking. I, I'm, yeah, okay. We're doing a show. All right. We're doing a show. Okay. Doing a show. Look alive, Trixie. Look alive. Welcome back, All-Stars, to another exciting episode of Skip Town All-Stars. I know I can see in your eyes you're already filled to the brim with me today. Uh-huh. Yeah, kind of a little bit. Yeah, we have the whole day to go. So this is going to be a long one. Mm -hmm. It is for sure. But uh, we are excited to be coming to you from South Texas. Uh, for those of you who've been keeping score, our daughter now has a TV in addition to the couch. We still don't have dining room chairs. No, we're These still, are still on, the Home Depot chairs. Yep, still on the folding chairs. And if you're watching on YouTube, you see the folding chair as pretty as it is, mm -hmm. the new TV uh, and the couch. Yeah, we got a couch. Um, we just got the TV and I'm sporting your Kingsville, Texas, Monarch City, USA shirt. Yes. Why is it called Monarch City? Because they have monarch butterfly gardens there. That took you a really long time to well, answer. Well, you like threw me for, I'm like, is this a trick question? I know this answer. Is there something else I should say? <laughs> okay. You just like threw me for, it was like, why is the sky blue? I'm like, oh, uh, is there something else? Tell them about the butterflies. They're beautiful. And we went and visited the uh, one of the parks, and there's four of them in the city. Mm -hmm. uh, we visited one of the parks at the Visitor Center. And it's interesting because the Visitor Center is located on a really busy corner across from my Love's gas station. And there's this really pretty little patio area in the back that has all um, 
milkweed for uh, the monarch butterflies. And they wanted to do something during COVID and they created this garden. And mm-hmm. you could stand there and just in the middle of semis going you by. You watch the cement mixers come through. Yeah. With the monarch butterflies it's circling. Awesome. Circling your head. Yeah. It is like so crazy. It, it, you can't capture it well, like on a video. I mean, I guess it, it, just the juxtaposition is really funny. A little bit. Yeah. I mean, logistically, I understand why they put the the Bureau of Tourism there. Yeah. Because it's right off the freeway. So, Agreed. you know, anybody who wants to know about Kingsville, can, it's very convenient from the freeway. So. And that's where we visited. And yeah. I have my Kingsville shirt. And we are going to talk about all things Kingsville and Monarch Butterflies and good cheeseburgers. And good cheeseburgers. <laughs> because it's always about sure. food for us. You know it. So, uh, okay, let's get into it. How did this trip come about? Well, we're located in South Texas right now. We're in Corpus Christi and Kingsville just kind of came up on the map. It's an hour outside of Corpus. Uh, Real estate is very reasonable. There's a university there and we are learning in the South how important or unimportant a university can be to a town. And um, we thought, let's go check this place out. There's a bay nearby. So there's a possibility to have waterfront property. There was just so many things about it that hit our checklist and it being a small town. I mean, okay, it's not as small as a Micanope, Florida with 624 residents. Right. Uh, Kingsville, you know, has about 25,000. Yeah. Uh, but when you drive into the town, you immediately get that small town feel. It was perfect for perfect setting for us to uh, to visit. And we got to meet the mayor, but that will come later. So uh, our first stop was actually a, what do we call it? El Potrero Ranch. But is it a bird sanctuary? Not really, right? It's a ranch that focuses on nature photography, mm-hmm. primarily birds. And it is a hundred and... 82 acres? Something like that. Yeah, it's very, very large. I don't remember that, but... I do. Okay, okay 142, 182. It's, it's, over, it's over 100. It's big. <laughs> it is big. So what ended up happening was I wanted to surprise James. I sort of gave him a little bit idea of what we were doing. I knew that we'd be on this ranch, and I knew that we'd be uh, with a wildlife photography expert named Hugh, I knew that there would be a carcass of some sort involved, (laughs) and I thought it would be really fun. I mean, James grew up in a farm town, and I thought, how cool would it be to be on a ranch? I mean, there's no cattle here. It's not that kind of ranch. It's a wildlife ranch, but um, just something totally different, and you like to take photos, although birds is not your specialty. You do enjoy photography, and I thought- to spend a few hours mm-hmm. with a world-renowned photographer. Let's do it. So we did. Yeah. I'm, you know, I mean, when I was a kid, Mutual of Omaha was a great show to watch. And in my career, I've worked on enough discovery shows with lions and sharks and you name it. So lions uh, and tigers and bears. Not bears, no bears. <laughs> uh, no tigers either. But I was very excited wherever it was. I knew it was kind of a wilderness thing because you told me to make sure I had on hiking shoes and pants and all that. So I didn't know if you were, t- I thought. For a minute, you were taking me to like some sort of rodeo. Oh, did you? Yeah. Like not the rodeo, but like a behind the scenes with the rodeo or something. I mean, we're in Texas. So, you know. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Okay. Maybe yeah. next one. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was informed not to wear white. So I told you don't wear white because you want to blend in with your surroundings. And that's so challenging because 
I'll, I have like every single shade of white and cream t-shirt. I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to wear? And the only thing I had of color was an orange shirt that said Auburn <laughs> on the front of it. But then I ended up finding a brown V-neck, which was perfect. And what did you wear? I can't remember. You wore, it was just I wore a black t-shirt, my standard black t-shirt. So you said no white. It's fine. I normally black have a black t-shirt. Black does not on. blend in unless you're a bear. Uh, I think black blends in with a lot of things when you're trying to hide in the dark. Isn't camo like dark green, tan and light green? Yeah, but you didn't say we were like doing recon for zero dark 30 or anything. I, it was funny. You're right. Now that you reminded me you wore black, I do remember thinking, why is he wearing black? Because that doesn't really, I told you. Because you told to- me not to wear white. It's the exact opposite of white. Okay. It is true. Whenever I tell you to do something, you do the exact opposite. <laughs> Fair enough. So David, the owner, came out and greeted us as Hugh was prepping the vehicle that would take us out to the site where we were going to go. He was really nice. It was obvious, like we were obviously very fortunate that they hosted us. And I was pretty psyched, I must say, especially when I saw buckets of meat. Okay. It was a dead carcass. I still at that point thought, okay, are we doing gators? Is this reptile stuff? Like what's going on? It was crazy. We walked up and it was commercial size garbage cans full of an animal. And uh, do you remember the name of that animal? Because he wasn't, it wasn't a deer. Cause I would have thought a deer is easy to remember. It was something else. What it was, was in- similar to a deer. It's actually from India, I believe. And it's called a nail guy. I always thought a nail guy was just part of the contracting crew you hired to do work on your framing of your house. But no, nail nail guy, right? Yeah. that Then Texas, like that's that. a little bit different. Yeah, it's a little bit different. But I guess now they have been introduced into the population in Texas. You're allowed to hunt them, I believe he said, uh, year round. Because they're not indigenous to this area. So they're not an endangered species in Texas. Uh, They're not even from here. So So you can kill them. Yeah, it's like killing. You're not from here. It's like shooting at tourists. So. uh, (laughs) Just like that. It's exactly like that. Uh, I guess the meat, a lot of people swear by the meat. Like they say it's more mild, less gamey than actual venison. So I'm not sure. I've never tasted it. But. Uh, all I know is we had two buckets of that, and on top of the second bucket, there was a- the actual skin from the deer. Well, this particular ranch where we went, let's just set the stage. It's You take an ATV, basically, a four-wheel ATV, to an open clearing. Yeah, it was a clearing. And, and you have these few little stations where the meat is laid out, and then the birds come, and you photograph them. I really cannot believe I was able to scan those buckets with a detailed eye. I stood there and looked in the buckets, looked at the bones, looked at the fur, and none of it freaked me out because I'm not about hunting. So, uh, yes, I do eat cow. Uh, I was going to say, the first bucket just looked like you were getting ready for the most massive cookout you've ever it been did to. and it was just uh it was the carcass so the hunter obviously uh you know cleaned they skinned it they skinned the it they cleaned it and so they gave hugh the carcass which had obviously meat and fat left on it and that is what attracts the birds so you can take these photos but the skin the fur i did not understand why why we needed that and i was amazed i i couldn't stop looking at it, almost as though it was a science project he did explain why he brings the fur. And what did he say? He drove us out to the site 
And as he was driving us, he told us he uses the skin to actually sort of dress up the offering for the birds <laughs> to make it look more like an animal that's fallen. Yeah, it's like pleasing to the bird's eye. Like, oh, there's a dead animal rather than just having the carcass and the ribs and the bones all out in an open field. Right. So we got out there and he quickly started assembling these piles of carcass. And when we first pulled up, you could see the bones of another animal feeding, basically. Yes. And it was so large, it was an entire rib cage. And he basically said, Well, I'm gonna use, I'm gonna let them use this as a perch so they can sit on that and then pick away at the meat below. Uh, and then he set up the other pile with the skin, and pretty soon we were in what was called a blind. You had never been in a blind, right? So when he said blind, I actually had no idea what that meant. And um I knew that it was a covering. It's a little building made of wood that you go in and there's netting so you can see the birds from a distance and there's a hole cut out in the netting so your camera can go through the hole and you could take a photo. But you are very familiar with the term blind because you didn't even blink an eye. I was like, what is he talking about? Oh, I grew up in the sticks and I know plenty of deer hunters. So yeah, I know okay. what a blind is. Is a blind normally built as a as a as a fixture like is a blind normally like that in hunting or is it just covering of bush some are yeah i mean you could definitely make one out of the elements around you you know different trees or bushes or whatever uh, a lot of hunters will just do that i mean it does take a bit of work to, and you have to be like reliably predictable that deer are going to be crossing in your path if you set up a blind somewhere. It's okay. got to be an area with heavy activity. Uh, a lot of guys that I know just use like tree stands and stuff so they can get sort of up off the ground a little bit and sort of out of the view of the deer. So basically the blind is you're sitting in a, a, a very small baseball dugout and instead of chain link fence to stop baseballs, it's just a screen to prevent the birds from seeing you. And then he attracts like people from all over the world that come and, you know, visit the ranch and use him as a guide to get these photographs. Hugh was amazing. Uh, he has a Facebook page. His last name is Leek, L-I-E-C-K. You can find him on Facebook where he displays all of his beautiful bird photography. He was chock full of information. We would be driving in the ATV and a bird would fly by and he would immediately say, oh, that's a da-da-da, or that's a blah-blah-blah. Uh, the only ones I really knew were cardinals. <laughs> <laughs> and they're really bright red in Texas. It's a completely different cardinal than I've ever seen anywhere else. Uh, and then, of course, obviously, as we're sitting there in the blind waiting for the different birds to come and feast, he would point out just random beautiful birds that were part of the ranch and just hanging out in the trees. It was really cool. But what was what was the best part for you? The best part for me was the buildup. And then all of a sudden we were sitting there and you just saw a pterodactyl shadow. <laughs> fly over the clearing. And I was like, it is game on people. It's about to start. It is true. So And so Hugh calls this obser observatory event, the, what is it? The Raptors feast? Raptor Raptors banquet. Bu buffet. Raptors buffet. I wish it were velociraptors feasting on humans, but it's no, not. It's not that kind of tour. We don't have that yet. Uh, we were trying to convince him, or I was, that he should change his business and, you know, not have people being feasted on, but take the Raptor Buffet one step further, yeah. do a caveman style tour where we eat with our hands. And he just wasn't having any of it. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> 
like medieval times, yes. only out on the dirt. Yes, exactly. I said, you have, call it Raptor Buffet. Let's like really make it legitimate. And yeah, yeah. he said, it is legitimate. He did not. He, he said, was not feeling that no, at all. Not at he all. did not like your suggestion. But uh, he was correct that once the coastal layer burned off and the sun was out, that we were going to see some activity. And boy, did we. Uh, it started with two or three caracaras, which are falcons, right? Mm-hmm. Well, hawks. No, they're falcons. You sure? There were some falcons that landed in the tree nearby. Okay, I was thinking about the movie Falcon and the Snowman, so I think you're right. It is Falcon. The Falcon and the Snowman? Yeah, you don't remember that movie? I don't. What? I don't. With Sean Penn and like, uh, I think oh, it's it was a spy movie, right? Yes. And I remember sitting there going, ooh, when he said the name. I see you're right. It is a falcon. Go ahead. I was well, like, it's not the hawk in the snowman. So why would that have reminded you of that movie? I thought right now it was a hawk. And then when you said, when you were like, no, it's a falcon. And I was like, oh, that's right. Because I was thinking falcon and the snowman. Okay, go ahead. There are a couple of caracaras <laughs> in the tree nearby. And also we got to see one of those redheaded vultures. One of the ugly kinds that they like draw in cartoons. It was pretty cool. Uh, they were waiting us out. They were wait not waiting us out. They were waiting to see if this sort of deceased nail guy. <laughs> <laughs> they were waiting to see if this deceased nail guy was for real, uh-huh, right? Yeah. And so they were just kind of scoping it out. But then gradually, you know, nothing attracts a crowd like a crowd. All right. of a sudden, did you remember? Like, see, it was like Independence Day. Where like all of a sudden the skies were just filled with shadows. Yeah. And all you could see, it was like an Alfred Hitchcock movie. It was. Yeah. It did turn into the birds. For real. It did. Yeah. And these birds were way more vicious as it turns out. To each other as well. All of a sudden one of the birds came down. It was a caracara, I believe. And he, Hugh actually told us like, we'll be lucky if one lands on the ground. And all of a sudden all these birds descended on the carcass and it really was a banquet. And all of a sudden. Buffet. (laughs) and it really was a raptor's buffet and i had never seen anything like it before i really like i was using my longest lens lens on the camera and you'll be able to see some of that footage along with our interview with hugh when we do our ask a local for kingsville uh dropping later this week but i'd never seen anything like this before did you enjoy it i thoroughly enjoyed it i thought it was fun you said you would not classify it as fun Oh, my my definition of fun is a little different than like watching a bunch of vultures eat on a dead carcass. But um, I thought it was uh, interesting. And that is interesting in a good way. It was very educational. I did something I would never normally in a million years do. And I got to see a vulture up close, which honestly, I've only seen in flight. And that's only if you've pointed it out. Like if we're in the desert or something, you know, we've yeah. gone to visit Arizona, been in Arizona, you've pointed it out. Um, I've never seen a falcon, I don't think, ever in flight. So no way, me- not that close. Like I totally no, underestimated I mean, even in flight. Like I don't think I've ever seen a falcon in oh, the sky. Oh, you have. I'm sure you have. Really? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. it was so beautiful. Uh, I loved it in the sense that we were so close. And I learned a couple of things from Hugh while I was there. I learned that when the vultures open up their wings, if they're standing on a perch and it looks like they're sunning, they're actually having the sun burn off all the microbes. That's right. Yeah. They use the sun's ultraviolet rays to basically cleanse their their feathers. Pretty interesting. So uh, 
Uh, yeah. I mean, I didn't not have fun. It just wasn't my definition of fun. It wasn't your definition of fun. I thought it was really cool. In the end, we probably saw at least 100 birds, right? Oh, at least 100 I think birds. So. Yes. Do vultures feast on humans? Only when they're dead. Vultures, so they we found out, do not hunt. They're actually a very timid animal. Oh, this is great. This is excellent information. Tell him what we learned about this. Yeah. So uh, vultures basically will get pushed around if there are other birds there, like the caracaras. They did seem more aggressive. There were way more of them. They were like a little gang. Oh, they were. Pushing uh, pushing the vultures around. But then eventually he there was... There were two types of vultures. The one that you have seen before, which have sort of the red head. They look like emaci or they look like what are they? Macy like? Gray. Did you just about to say no, Macy I said Gray? <laughs> They do not look like Macy Gray. I don't even know what she looks like at this point. It's been nice callback to 20 years ago. They do not look like Macy Gray. I was going to say they look like emaciated turkeys, but they're actually as fat. So, uh, but so those are the redheaded ones. They're also black uh, vultures. And those he described are kind of like the uncles at the cookouts where they're easygoing. You can nudge them and push them around, but then once you reach a certain level, they're not to be messed with no, anymore. No, not at all. It so, is like th that, that what is like your favorite uncle, don't take it too far because he will whoop your ass. That's right. Uh -huh. But, but you're getting, you, you totally went off as to what he said about the vultures that they don't kill the vultures wait. And then they'll, they'll descend upon that dead prey. But um, yeah, you missed that. You were supposed to. I did. To, I forgot. Yeah, I went you, off. You I was too off. busy talking about them fighting over the Macy meat. Macy Gray. <laughs> You were too busy so, about talking about Macy Gray. I was huge yeah. fan. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. So that, so that one song. <laughs> so what we learned was that the vultures don't do their own killing. They let the other animals kill and they come in later and just, you know. They're just waiting. Feast. Yeah. When they say waiting like vultures, like I know you vultures are just waiting for like uh in the at, in the lunchroom, right? Yeah. Whenever you've been at an event and mm -hmm. the event is over, then all of a sudden the vultures come. The assistants, the the speakers' kids, the janitor, the janitor, the hired help, all that uh -huh. stuff, the waiters, the waitresses. All of a sudden, all the food disappears. Oh, they're right? putting in their purse or backpacks. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh -huh. everybody's taking a go box. Uh huh. So yeah, now you know the term. Uh, you know, waiting like vultures. Yeah, exactly. So there's such a thing. It's such a thing. There is such a thing. Uh, anyway, Hugh was just a a vast amount of information. We're going to include really probably just a fraction of everything that he had to share with us that day in our Ask a Local, as I said. And uh, we can't wait for you guys to see that later this week. Yeah. The one thing that I did learn is bird photographers have a list of birds that they want to photograph in their lifetime. So this ranch allows mm -hmm. them to do so because there's a certain number of species. So professional bird photographers We'll spend a day there and do a whole tour and wait for their bird to come to photograph them. Look, there are no guarantees, but you're almost guaranteed that you can get what you want as long as you're with Hugh. Forget yeah. it if you're on your own. <laughs> Forget it. You're never going to get that level of service. Hell no. And what's the name of the ranch again? Uh, El Potrero, P-O-T-R-E-R-O -E Ranch. In, in Kingsville, Texas. Kingsville, Texas. Yeah. So after that, we ended up going to Kingsville's Visitor Center, which I know sounds crazy for a small town. They have a visitor center. 
but they do. And it's really not that small. I mean, there's what, 25,000 people. And if yeah, you, it's kind of not as small as we thought it was. I know. Everyone says it's a small town. I'm like, oh, no, you got 25,000 people. We've been to a small town. I don't even know if that includes a campus. Like That does kids. not include the campus. Yeah. So we met with Janine Reyes, who is the director of tourism in Kingsville. And um, we went downtown with their main on their main drag called um, Kleberg, yep. Kleberg Avenue. And we went to one of the oldest businesses in Kingsville, which is called the Harold's Pharmacy. We met third generation Harold, Nick. Yeah, we met with Nick Harold, and he is the head pharmacist there, I guess, and the owner. Uh-huh. And it's not just a farm. It's kind of like your classic old school drug stores. For sure. Like whatever you're thinking of a drugstore from like the 1950s, that is what it is. Like there's a a soda fountain restaurant, like yes. in the pharmacy. Yep. They have all the flavors of Coca-Cola or whatever, like all sorts of floats. And it really was like a throwback to sort of the the local town drugstores that you and oh, I grew up around. It so. was so cool. I mean, well, first of all, was there a local town drugstore where you grew up? I yeah, mean, it was honestly. called Isley's. Yeah, we would go to Isley's in Austintown, Ohio. It was a big deal. You sit on a little bar stool. It's kind of like a diner, but it was also, I don't know, maybe Isley's didn't sell drugs. I'm not sure. Well, maybe they sold drugs out the back. But anyway. (laughs) uh, So it reminded you of Isley's when you walked in. Absolutely. There were gift shops on either side leading all the way back to the pharmacy counter on one side and the restaurant on the other side. It felt reminiscent of something in the past, but also modern enough to feel present. So it was very, very cool. Uh, We got to meet with Nick because we wanted to talk to him. He's a third generation. uh, Kings villain. Yeah, Kings villain. And he went to high school there. And we wanted to talk to him about what life was like in Kingsville. And, uh, And in the middle of our interview with him, what happened? We were fortunate enough to meet Mayor Sam Fugate. He was so gracious to come up and talk with us uh, we, we, I mean, we just got so lucky. Oh my gosh. I think things like this, I really have to say in our travels only happen in a small town. Like, okay, first of all, the mayor of LA is never going to come up at us at a pharmacy and be like, Hey, if anyone can find him. Yeah, for sure. Or now it's her, but now it's her. yeah. Yeah. But in a small town to be able to have the mayor just come up and join us in the interview was so incredible. And as he walked in, people were like shaking his hand and saying hi. And I'm like, ooh, this is an important person walking in right now to the pharmacy. And uh, yeah, we were so fortunate to get to say hello and found out he and Nick went to high school together. So yeah. they're they're both like friends from high school. How, yeah. That's so crazy to me. They knew each other. And actually, Mayor Fugate made a joke about how some of their previous classmates were so surprised that he's the one that ended up being mayor of the town. So it was cute. I mean, it was really funny. They were super chummy with each other. You could tell they'd known each other forever, get along just great. And, yeah. uh, you know, are sort of in it together in this town. Yeah. So. It was uh, it was really interesting. It was interesting because we got to see the city from a business perspective as Hugh as a business owner and also David owning a ranch. Uh Then we got to see it from a business perspective of Nick having a pharmacy right downtown. And then we got to meet the mayor. So we kind of got a feel of everything. We got a private owner of a big ranch, a private owner of a pharmacy seeing the changes of the city. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I asked, remember I asked Nick, I said, 
what is how how have your clients changed? And the interesting thing was that he said they really haven't. He said I get more requests for candles. That's it. Yeah, he I said that. Like, he said that one what? of the top sellers there is, is candles. I was like, wait, so it so it hasn't changed that much? And he's like, no, not really. He said we had to add a few more gifts because. Did you remember why? All the big box stores like CVS, Walgreens, all those uh, came in and they're the ones that started selling all the sort of the hair products, makeup, the cold remedies, makeup, anything you could sell uh, that typically was found in an old drugstore. Now, all of a sudden, they had to pivot. So they became a gift shop. I really found it incredible that his family, him being third generation, mm-hmm. They were able to survive the big box stores coming into Kingsville, yeah. the CVSs, the Walgreens, the Walmarts, and, and they did it successfully. I think it's just very business minded and creative to figure out a way to work around it rather than have them destroy you. Yeah, they he, do. They come in and they destroy small businesses. For sure. For sure. But Nick's been able to do it, I believe, because of two things. Number one, he's the friendliest guy you're ever going to meet. And so everybody in the town knows him or is about to know him. The second thing I would say is the cheeseburgers. The cheeseburgers, <laughs> the cheeseburgers, the cheeseburgers. Like As long as Nick and his people are slinging those cheeseburgers, Harold's is going to be just fine. Well, the cheeseburgers were amazing and they were only $4. Yep. So the prices haven't changed since like 19, what, 65. The guys we were sitting and talking to, the the two guys that were part of the road crew working up the street, uh, they said that he actually had a great deal of trepidation on raising the prices maybe two or three months ago. Uh, that cheeseburger that you ate was only $3.50. Are you serious? Yeah, and my I had a double cheeseburger, big guy, and uh, mine was only five fifty. He just recently raised prices. Okay, that's incredible. I think the other thing that makes Harold's Pharmacy amazing is the amount of employees that work there. Oh my gosh, all those people behind the counter! Like I don't know how they it looked like a two butt kitchen. <laughs> It did look like a two-butt kitchen. And there were so many people back there, all those girls back there, and then the guys cooking and all that stuff. And then when you walk in, you're greeted by two lovely ladies, Melinda and Eva. And then in the pharmacy, you've got a gaggle of people working in the pharmacy. So- yeah, there were at least five or six pharmacists. uh Uh-huh. And so when you look at that, you say, he's really all about the customer. And that is so long a forgotten- uh, business practice practice thank you yeah. uh i mean this is why big businesses close down everyone says oh why does bed bath and beyond close down why did sears close down because they the first thing people do when they go into the red is they let go of all their employees and then you're aimlessly looking for a hammer in the store and can't find it and then why i'll go someplace else so he clearly makes customer service his priority it was it was just it was so fun because you felt like a community when you were in that store, didn't you? Definitely, yeah. Everybody there seemed to at least acknowledge one another. Um, there were like uh, a couple of local firefighters there, like volunteer firemen there, and there were you know some kid, and then a, a bunch of girls came in. They were all wearing the same shirts, so they had presumably been to the same South Texas cheerleading camp yeah. or something. So it was cool. It was quaint, and there was no shortage of great employee morale there, which really does say you're not going to find that at a CV. Yes. No, not at and all. And so like the people who worked there were genuinely happy. They were having a good time. And uh, 
I think, you know, it just all comes from the top. So props to Nick. You've really done a great job with Harold's. So if you're going to take a visit to Kingsville, you definitely have to visit Harold's Pharmacy on Kleberg Street. And you're not going to miss it because Kleberg is the main downtown drag and, and Harold's is just it's right there. So you, you kind of can't miss it. Uh, yeah. The one thing that I found um, really great about Kingsville was even though the college campus is small, I think um, Sam Fugate, the mayor, said there was 8,000 students that go there. Oh my God. They do try to rally the kids to come into the downtown area. There's all kinds of incentives where they'll give them like raffle tickets for certain, oh, yeah. certain places, like come and have a lunch here, or, or you know, uh, they try to incorporate the college as much as possible. So when you look at the downtown area as a visitor, well, as me, as me, <laughs> I just think like, wow, there's so much opportunity here. And if the college was even more involved or if they had more shops here, look, I compare everything to Auburn. I just do. Like, I, I just do. And so- that, That's your new gold standard? It kind of is because they yeah. they rally around their college. And when I asked the mayor about it, he did say that they do- try to get the college involved in community events. Um, I just think there needs to be a liaison if there isn't or one or t- two more like they need because there's so much opportunity in this downtown area. Are you with me? Mm-hmm. Okay, because you are glazed right now. I am. What are you thinking about those cheeseburgers? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> what are you thinking about? No, I'm so, not. So anyway, if you go visit Kingsville, you're going to see that the downtown area is super adorable. If you want to start a business, you have... 8,000 kids at this college that will be more than happy to visit your business. Well, I I definitely agree with you. I would say it falls probably in the middle of like Auburn's tough because Auburn wouldn't be there if the campus wasn't there. So it's a little different in my view, but it's definitely a little different than Natchitoches where it's like uh, there just seems to be no presence uh, within the college campus or what have you. Now, Janine did mention they give the kids like they, I guess they have a wine walk there every year. They give the kids like $20 coupons or whatever. And they have mocktails. And they have mocktails for the underage kids kids who cannot consume the wine, but she said it doesn't matter because- I don't the, have fake IDs. <laughs> but she said it doesn't matter because all the kids just use their coupons on food anyway. That so is true. I guess they're getting their liquor behind the scenes and all they really want is a decent meal. So uh, so there are incentives. Like there, there has been some thought put into- integrating these kids and, and getting them more and more. Uh, Mayor Fugate was quick to say that brain drain, as he defined it, oh, yes. is a problem in the United States and small towns in general. And there's no exception to that in and Kingsville. Kings, you're right. Um, and then I thought it was- Explain all- what brain drain is, please, because so, he had to explain it to me. So brain drain basically is where your college students- or your best and your brightest sort of flee the area to go somewhere else with greater opportunities. Uh, One thing that did seem promising, Janine touched on it a little bit, but then Mayor Fugate, we were lucky to get the scoop from him directly, and that is there's a business coming in uh, shortly and a couple other things on the cooker industry that could potentially sort of bring more people, more young families, more workers, more their families into the area, and which will, you know, definitely be a shot in the arm for the economy there. Well, there is a naval base there. So I do find it interesting that they they train their pilots out of Kingsville. I'm just one of many areas. But um, I'm like, wow, with a naval base here, uh, there could be a little bit more 
like, I, I don't know. I, again, I'm not a city planner or developer or anything like that, but there could be a little bit more to offer for the naval base, uh, you know, residents. So I don't know. I just thought like, again, another city with ample opportunity that um, is ripe for the taking. Honestly, that's how I felt. You know, they're revamping the Texas theater downtown. They were. You can see they're in the process of that. Like there's something going on there. There's something bubbling. Um, I agree. You felt it. You you could. You felt like you were at the very beginning stages of it. Uh, to your point, there were plenty of storefronts down there on Kleberg that could probably use, you know- A uh, little facelift. Some, a little facelift or some occupants. That as um, well. There were a couple that were shut down, but uh, King Ranch Saddle- yeah, saddle shop. So saddle King, shop. Ra- King Ranch Saddle Shop is uh, is their most expensive store on that street, and it is owned by the people that own King Ranch. And if you uh, come to Kingsville, the one thing you're going to learn right away is that King Ranch is the biggest ranch in that area. How many thousands of acres do these? Uh, it's privately owned too by a family. How many thousands of acres do they own? Actually, no, I know it. Oh, I thought you knew it. No, I don't know. 825,000 acres. 825,000 acres owned by this family. And so uh, they are they they have a museum there. The ranch is open for tours. You can stay on the ranch. It's uh every- Yeah, during certain times of year. So there are restrictions and everything and the ranch is broken up into four parcels. So people from that area talk about certain parcels of the ranch familiarly yes. familiarly I can't even say it. I still didn't say it, but you know what I'm talking about. Uh, We had no idea what they were talking about when they would throw these terms around. But if you're a local there, you know exactly where each area of the ranch is. Okay. And here's what's interesting as a city girl. Um, Nobody has an issue with this family owning 825,000 acres. In fact, people love that they do because you can't develop on that land. Like, okay, that was something we learned really quick being in Kingsville. They take pride in private ownership of land, and they're not selling it off to developers. So when you see a double wide on acres and acres in Texas, it's because they're landowners and it goes back to what we talked about. Like, I'd rather put a double wide on that piece of property than sell it to a developer that's going to put 10 houses. I don't care. Like, that's their mentality. They're not even they don't even care. Like, the money isn't even an issue. Like, it's crazy Mm. how they just have so much Texas pride in what they Absolutely. own. It's it, it I loved it. I mean, look, Kingsville certain areas needed to be upgraded. There were houses that obviously fell into disrepair and it needed some love. Yeah, there were some sections that were just sort of run down. But but the real estate there is so relatively uh, reasonable, meaning like we saw a house that was beautiful, uh, five bedroom, three bath, 3,000 square feet for $300,000. Now, it didn't have huge amount of acreage. It was in more of a neighborhood, but it was an original um, established area, not one of those cookie cutters. I would say it probably sat on like 12,000 square feet of property or something like that. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, But it was a beautiful neighborhood, probably where like the professors live or the doctors or dentists in the area live. Like very nice. Um, There wasn't, we did go, we did go to an HOA area, like new development, but that's still as pretty as those houses were. It still wasn't as charming to me as being back in downtown Kingsville. Right. And 
not seen development after development. I, I love the fact that King's Ranch holds so much property and they're not just going to let you put up McMansions. They're just not. Yeah, I guess uh, when the old man died, they basically, the kids sold some of it off, but they kept the bulk of it. And yeah, I I, I mean, it's a... It's just it's it's one of those things, especially here in Texas, where, you know, money's money, but land means everything. That is true. Yeah. One hundred percent. We were just driving and driving and we would see, I mean, little shanty houses on big pieces of property. And I said to James, wow, like that's so crazy to me. He's like, remember, you were like, what's crazy about it? If that's my land, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll put a double wide on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, not me personally, but right, uh, right. yeah, I could feel that a lot of the attitude was, you know what? It ain't much, but it's mine and I own it. Uh-huh. You for know? sure. And there's something to be said about that. I was like, okay. For all sure. Right. For sure. Yeah. No one, uh, no one there was interested in, uh, in townhomes. I could tell you that much. Uh, no town. I didn't, did we even see any townhomes. We I didn't did see any not condo. see a townhome. No. Nothing. Yeah, not even near the campus. No, no, not even near the campus. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? And there were no apartment buildings upon apartment buildings. Did you notice that? Like, yeah, I did. I noticed that there were only a couple. Like they, there were so few that they actually stuck out. Isn't that odd? Yeah, but I will say that the lots that you mentioned are sort of, like you said, they're ripe enough to where if somebody were to come in there and start, if there was a little bit of a groundswell yes. of families who went in there yes. and all of a sudden wanted to fix up these houses or, you know, I mean, it's just, there, there is some opportunity there. 100%. The downtown is basically four to six blocks, but really two blocks at the moment. And- yeah. Everybody seems to love the H-E-B grocery store there. They do. Uh, they really do. And I get it. But I just feel like if you built out some of those perpendicular streets and expanded downtown. Agreed. With storefronts, th- there's tons of opportunity there. I, I. What's that whole saying? If you build it, they will come? Yes. I and feel like that. I do too. And so that was, you know, uh, when we were talking to Janine and Mayor Fugate and even Nick, people were saying... There are some things that we think are going to be happening here in the next year or two uh, in terms of industries, different industries coming in. I guess ibuprofen is made like right up the street. Like all the ibuprofen in the country is made right up the street. <laughs> there's so, a factory up there. Yeah. yeah. So if there's more of that type of stuff coming in or more, you know, sort of like corporations planting their flag there, that's a good start. I mean, you get a couple hundred employees that all of a sudden have a decent, they're making a livable wage yeah. and all of a sudden want a decent house or a decent school system for their kids could change the whole complexion. There's something there. I I do agree with you that it's going to take even a little bit more, like those sleeves need to be rolled up even higher in Kingsville than in Laurel right now. But then again, there's no HGTV show for Kingsville at the moment that could change. I, here's, think, here's, I think it's just one spark away from sort of exploding. Okay. And I agree with you. The only thing I think is that it's going to make that spark a little harder to ignite as you have to remember for anybody listening, Kingsville is is South Texas. Yeah. And you're near the Rio Grande. 
and you have a real influx. I mean, we everyone talked about the migrant problem because they're really dealing with it. I mean, they are dealing yeah. with it. I mean, we're basically two hours from the border yep, at this point. two hours from the border. So we heard it the entire time we were in Kingsville. And, um, and it is a problem because when you're trying to get a community to rally, but people aren't legal and people aren't spending their money and they're sending it back to the, their home country, how do you get a community to rally then? So that to me seems like it's challenging along the southern areas of Texas for these small towns, Kingsville being one of them. Yeah. And I don't have the answer to that problem. Although I, you know, I guess my overall comment was until the overall immigration problem is fixed in the United States, it's not going to be fixed in Texas. No, not at all. But my point is like, you can't have a community when half of the community or a quarter of the community isn't part of that community legally. And when you look at this town compared to a town like Laurel, the demographics are extremely different. Laurel's up and coming town is up and coming because those people of that community from generations and generations uh, make that happen. You don't have that demographic in Kingsville because so much of the town is migrant. And so you, I mean, it's just, you can't, it's comparing apples and oranges, but it's the same in that it could be, it so could be like, I look at that and I'm like, oh my God, this could be the next Laurel. There are towns that could be the next Laurel and there are towns that are couldn't. This could be the next Laurel, Mississippi. Kingsville is definitely one of them. Yeah. Best way to state it that I could say is Kingsville has good bones. Oh, for sure. Yes. So uh, It was pretty interesting. It was interesting. And then um, the one other thing that we learned, (laughs) people in Texas don't mind driving hours and hours to get somewhere. I'm Mm. not kidding. Okay. So Kingsville, closest airport is Corpus Christi, which is an hour away. But I would not consider Corpus Christi an airport that you want to fly out of because it's a regional airport. So if you leave Corpus, you're going to have to do a layover in Houston or Austin it's or more San Antonio. Too, to get to wherever you want. Yeah. So most people leaving Kingsville because of that, because of the price, drive to San Antonio. They have no problem driving a couple hours, two, two and a half hours. Two hours. I was like, what? Like, I, I, I literally could not believe it. And, the, and even Janine was like, well, I'll do San Antonio in a day. And I said, like an overnight? And she goes, no, why would I do an overnight? Like, it's just two hours. <laughs> yeah, she, it's a day trip. She'll just go up there, do her thing, come back. Yeah. It's crazy. Everybody was no like deal. that. Like, everybody is like that. I mean, I think a two-hour drive that we're used to generally being in Southern California means we've only gone about 60 miles, right, at the most. And so, and it's a grueling two hours. And for, you know, these folks, it's like I get on the highway and, you know, 120 miles later, I am wherever I am and I'm good to go. So yeah. you are moving the whole time. So I still can't wrap my it, head around still, it. It is a bit of a schlep. It's a Texas thing. And and everyone we've met have, has said the same thing. Uh, Texas is big. That's Texas what we keep hearing. Texas is big. Over and over. Texas is You don't is have big. a lot of choices. What are you going to do? Try and fly everywhere? Yeah, that's what I want to do. You're going to fly I, from Corpus Christi to San Antonio? You can, but why would you? Because it's two hours. I don't want to be in a car for two hours. But well, it's going to take a good. I know. I know where you're going with this. I know where you're going. Spend three hours in the airport. It's like <sighs> you could have been there already. That's I, just. I, that I, makes no sense. That's Texas mentality. It is. So I'm I totally think blending in. We have to get on board. I do because I I just can't. I I, I mean I just can't. I, okay, I can get on board. It's going to take me a minute. I just can't get over that they just hop in their car and go to uh, San Antonio like eh, no big deal. Yeah. So we met a couple 
who were saying that they go to the beach in Corpus Christi. And I started laughing and I said, well, that's like an hour away. And like, yeah, so like we just went yesterday. And, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so I, I think I'm the minority here. I think you are. Um, okay, but before we talk about whether we're in or out, let's talk about the hidden gem oh outside of Kingsville. You talk about this. It's incredible. Uh, okay, so while we were there, Janine and a few other of the local town people were quick to say, you know, if you really want to check out the coastline, you have to check out Baffin Bay, B-A-F-F-I-N, Bay, that is about 20 minutes down the road. Mm -hmm. And it really was, I, I still didn't realize we were that close- To the water? To the gulf. Yeah. Uh, it just seemed like we were so far inland from Corpus Christi. We at weren't that point. though. We, we weren't. Were, we were just going straight south. We, we were, were not going. We were not going. Pretty much west. We were going straight south. Pretty much. And so uh, we just went east a little bit, twenty miles. You had a good nap. And when <laughs> you woke tired. up, what did you see? Water. water. It was incredible. Water. It really was. It looked, it wasn't as blue as the Florida Keys, but it had a lot of similar characteristics. So uh, we drove up to basically the coast. There was a seafood restaurant there. What was yeah, it, it was really weird. It was called Baffin Seafood. And then there was something called Baffin Hotel. But I swear the hotel was just a duplex and the seafood place looked like a shanty, which I'm sure was incredible because those places usually are. But we yeah. had just eaten our delicious cheeseburger, so we were not going to eat food right there. So what I wanted to find while we were there was the boat launching. Like the, like whatever you go the on. Ramp, the boat yeah, ramp. Because this is a hidden gem for fishermen. And so we both were looking for boat ramps and then come to find out this isn't that type of place to fish. So what ended up happening? How did we come across Seth and his wife? Okay. So you, we drove around and we just. Looking for a boat ramp. You wanted to find the boat ramp and you also wanted to explore a little bit. We wanted to see, you know, like, are there any houses for sale in this area? What do the houses look like? All that. So Is there we, a beach? Right. So we drove back into the neighborhood a little. There's not a beach. I know. Out. It totally sucks. And we'll get into that in a second. <laughs> but we were looking at properties and then we went down sort of a road that ended and turned into a dirt path. And there was a gate and it was open. But as we drove through that gate, it said something about electric fence and all uh -huh. this stuff. And I was like, oh man. We're in Texas. Turn around right yeah. now. It's like, I'm not looking to get shot today. So we did turn around. And of course, as it, luck has it, everywhere I go, you know, I have this phenomenon mm -hmm. where I could be alone in a parking lot at midnight and someone will pull right up next to me and just park their car. It's really weird. We've actually tested it several times where I'll say to him here, just pull in this parking lot, empty parking lot on a Sunday, because we're looking for, let's say, directions. And I'll say, just pull in this parking lot. So he doesn't even pull into a parking spot. He literally just pulls right into the parking lot and just puts it in park in the middle of the parking lot. And a guy in a bike will ride right next to his uh, driver's side door in the middle of a parking lot. The biker could go anywhere. Yep. Literally drive right next to yep. his driver's side door or will be just out and about and I'll say, hey, let's like step off the, the sidewalk for a second just to like look at our phones or something. And a lady with a dog is having the dog pee right next to his shoe. Yeah. I mean, 
it it sometimes we just test it to see if it's going to work and it always works. Oh yeah, it happens a lot, like especially when we're doing our ask a locals like mm-hmm. Billy, mm-hmm. it happened with Billy in Micanopy. Yep. It's it's it happened in Auburn. It's just it's so crazy. You it's like, like a magnet. I just want to get a shot and all of a sudden it'll be a Sunday at 7 a.m. in the morning. Yep. And all of a sudden, three people will just start walking through. You are a human magnet. I am. And you don't even like people. I'm a people person. You're not. You're absolutely not. I'm a people person. You're not. I like talking to people when I'm out and everything. But, you know, I think I'm like everyone else in that I would prefer to do it on my own terms. Like, there are moments when you're not ready for people. And that's usually when people appear in my life. I want that to work like money. Can you be a money magnet? I already am. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Make it rain. <laughs> Make, it, Make rain. it rain. I'm not. But yeah, I know. I wish I could do it with money as well. So the electric fence. Let's get the back. The electric fence. So we turn around and I'm pulling out and then I look in my rear view mirror and all of a sudden there are three people on a golf cart. And I was like, Behind oh, you. shoot. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, I'm like, they found us. They totally found us. And so I'm pulling out of this driveway and they stop at the mailboxes at the end of the driveway. And so- Well, then what happened was- Well, we looped around because no, we were like, you know I, what? Let's just ask them. So we looped around and we just said, hey, can we go in here? Like, what is this? And we saw on the sign at that point, there's a place called Baffin on the Rocks. Yeah, I thought it was a church. I was like, oh, we're in the middle of Texas. Nowhere. I bet you this is a cult. Oh, yeah. So let me look it up. Yeah, you so, thought you were just going to be part of the new Branch Davidian compound. I did. So I looked it up and I said, oh, this isn't a cult at all. I said, it's a, a private fishing- uh, Lodge. Lodge. Thank you. Yeah. Private fishing lodge. I'm like, I said, look, there's like four cabins on here because it shows the map. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. And then- we turned the car around. Yeah, but- we turned the car around and Seth and Holly and their son, Aaron, were on board. And I asked them, I just said, hey, are we allowed to go in there? Like, can we, what is this place or whatever? And he said, yeah, it's a fishing lodge. He goes, come on in. I'll show you around if you want. It's so Texas. He owned it. Yeah. He was the owner <laughs> of the establishment. So uh, so we drove, we drove down this long gravel driveway. And once we got to a clearing... Uh, all of a sudden, all you could see was blue water for like for eternity. It was beautiful. It's pretty epic, I must say. It's epic in its simplicity. It's literally four lodges right in the bay. Yep. Denise and I had this question of like, why aren't there any beaches? Why is nobody swimming on this side of Padre Island and all that? And uh, turns out Seth had a pretty good answer. It's not that the water's toxic down there or there are chemical spills or anything like that going on. It's the salination, salination, salinization. There's a lot of salt in the water. There's a lot of salt in the water. It makes it sort of untenable for swimming. It's not an enjoyable experience, especially if it gets in your eyes. So he said, so basically, uh, there's a pier there that Seth and the co-owner that he owns the establishment with have, uh, they've totally redone this pier. I guess it was like washed away in Hurricane Hannah or uh-huh. something like That's that. That's what he said. Also, the a lot of the people that come there and fish, so they rent out one of these four lodges. Uh, they're like 300 a night during the week, 400 a night during the weekend. I don't know how many it sleeps, but it seems like a good deal if you and a couple buddies want to go in on it. And, and they're nice. They're not like your no, rinky-dinky nice. cabins. They look like little houses. They're so cute. Totally. There's a swimming pool there. There's a game room for the yep. kids if you want to take your kids fishing or whatever during the mornings and hang out during the afternoons. Plenty of places to cook out and all that stuff. 
really just, like I said, it's simple, but very cool. And a lot of people will actually wear waders and they'll just wade out into the bay. Oh yeah. So I learned this because I said, we're the fishing boats. And his wife started laughing, Holly. And she's like, it's not that kind of fishing. She said, you walk out. It's a walk. Like you could go, I, I don't even know, like past the pier, which goes very, very far. And you're still only in knee deep water. Yeah. So it's that kind of fishing. They see dolphins there. They do paddle boats. They do kayaks. But um, she said certain boats, you can't do a pontoon boat, but certain boats you can bring in the bay, but it's just not made for that kind of boating. So I was disappointed because, you know, I'm thinking like, okay, forget this fishing lodge thing. I'm just going to do this, rent it out for a weekend and just go swimming. And they were like, yeah, not going to happen. You're going to have to drive to Padre Island. (laughs) (laughs) But Seth was quick to point out that the types of fish you can get there are speckled trout, redfish, Uh, I think they're black drum, black drum fish, and some flounder. So not a bad bounty if you're going to go there and throw a line. That sounds great if you're a fisherman. I have no idea what any of that is, but I know (laughs) I I heard trout. Flounder's delicious. Okay. At the end of the pier, I do know that's where you can slay the fish. And then you- Slay? What do you call it? What do you call it? Scale. Oh, is that what you call it? You scale Isn't it. there something else? No, that you they slay do? dragons. No, but what isn't there something else you can do with with a fish? Like, don't you do something else? Isn't you there? fillet it. Fillet, that's it. Yeah, fillet the fish. Okay. <laughs> fillet, slay. Yeah. Uh-huh. I was close. Slay, girl. And then, and then you bring the fish on back onto the property and they have all kinds of grills. So it's like a one-stop shop. It's awesome. Seth is a great person. You should definitely go check this place out if you're I'm gonna, to fish. I'm actually going to rent a, like a cabin just for like a weekend away because Wi-Fi is like they have it in the cabins, but it's really hard to get also cell service when you're on the property. So I'm thinking I'm just going to have Seth turn off my Wi-Fi in the house and just like detach. What's it called? Detached. What's it called when you do something like where you like with all unplug. the unplug. Yeah. I'm going to have him do that. And then I'll just look at that water. I won't be able to go in it but I can go in the pool. So that's what I'm thinking. Okay. Good for you. All right. I'm not going to unplug. All right. So after being in Kingsville and Baffin Bay, like what are your thoughts? I shared a little bit about my thoughts on Kingsville. Um, you know, there are great opportunities. I feel there, yeah. uh, real estate is extremely reasonable. You got a, a young, a young community with the college airport is a little far for me. Uh, I'm on the fence about it. Like I'm really, really on the fence because I do feel like it's a roll up your sleeves and you're saying it's a roll up your sleeves to your shoulder. I'm saying it's a roll up your sleeves to the elbow kind of town possibly. So I'm on the fence about it. I'm not totally out, but I'm not 100% in. How, where do you, where do you land on this? Well, I don't disagree with you that it is, it definitely feels like a place where you would be immediately welcomed if you were going to spend money there or you know, even more welcomed if you're going to contribute to the fabric of the community. So that part felt great. The people are awesome. I would just say that there are a lot of neighborhoods that really do need some love in that area. Uh, It's weird because it feels sort of forested in a way, but then it's also a tropical vibe, but it's not filled with palm trees. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. People say the tropics often here. And I'm like, tropics? We're not in Hawaii or we're not in Costa Rica, but they use the word tropical here. But this has different vegetation here. It's weird. I haven't seen a place like this in the United States. It's pretty unique. It's definitely worth checking out. South Texas. Yeah. South Texas. Agreed. Agreed. It's definitely different. 
I would not say I'm out. I would not say no to Kingsville at all. I would just maybe say not yet. I, I think it's a place I'll probably want to keep an eye on. Oh, and yeah. If, you know, if there, I don't know what the right indicators are. Like I'm not a real estate forecaster or developer or anything like that, but I feel like there are multiple indicators probably that would get me to jump on a town like that. Uh, I, I get, I think I would have to do more research at this point and just see what's happening in the next six months to a year. Okay. So Kingsville, you're on our radar. You are on our radar and we couldn't be more grateful to Hugh. Yes. Mayor Fugate. Nick, and especially Janine for setting up all of our introductions that day. We are just so grateful to have visited with you. Thank you so much for the time you spent with us. It was really, it was really fun. So yeah, if you're in Texas and you're anywhere in South Texas, meaning near Corpus Christi, definitely visit Kingsville. You'll, I, I think you'll enjoy it and have a burger. Definitely have a burger at Harold's Pharmacy. All right. So I guess that does it for this episode. Empty nest, full tank. Check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys.